You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. This weekend, my wife and I had some friends over. We were entertaining. We were cooking, and I got all excited, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a really yummy meal, and I dug up this, what I think is kind of like my favorite recipe from Bon Appetit these days. It's the duck confit with spicy pickled raisins, which which might sound a little highfalutin and a little fancy and all that, but it's like the easiest thing in the world to make. And it is so, so good. Like the duck legs get all fall apart tender and crispy on the outside. And there's like this sort of like sweet pickled spicy glaze on top of them. And oh my God, so good. I was looking for a word to sort of describe what like the vibe of the meal was. And I realized it's, it's very Ina Garten. Now, if you've ever watched Ina's show, The Barefoot Contessa, you know, like, Ina is the queen of just making everything look so easy, so delicious, and just so much fun. Back in May, May of 2015, when this podcast was was still a pup, Ina came to visit us here at One World Trade. So I'm going to say this is my favorite podcast we've recorded thus far. Ina and I, we talked food, career, entertaining... Uh, It's just a really, really great, warm conversation. And so in case you missed it, here's a chance for you to listen in. Uh, It's Ina, it's me, and here we are on the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I am like totally, (laughs) as the kids would say, fanning out right now. Um, (laughs) Thank you. So a lot of things I want to talk to you about. I mean, like you've got a new book out, uh, Make It Ahead. It is your ninth book, correct? It is. And from what I've read, I've researched that you've sold six million books. Is that correct? I think it's... I'm not sure. I think her publisher 10. says 10 million. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, isn't that crazy? You've been on TV since the early 2000s. 2002. 2002. Yeah. Good lord, you've contributed to magazines. Oh, Martha, Martha Stewart. Exactly. Um, and and now Food Network magazine. Food Network magazine. Yeah. If we can start off with TV, because I think it's probably the way most people have sort of accessed you in America, just in terms of numbers, probably. Well, I think the depth of the audience is extraordinary in TV. And also because you're like in people's living rooms. Yeah. They, they feel like they know you. So it's a really wonderful medium. No, I guess my question is, so you started in 2002. You, you had had a shop, The Barefoot Contestant, in, uh-huh. in East Hampton. Yeah. Um, you wrote your first cookbook. What made you think that Oh, yeah, I'd be good on TV. I can do this. Oh, I so didn't think that. <laughs> Actually, Food Network, I'd written maybe two books at that time, and Food Network came to me and said, we'd love you to do a show. And I said, absolutely not, because I couldn't imagine that I could do it. And they I, you know, they kept coming back every six months. They'd make me a better offer. I'm like, I'm not negotiating. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. <laughs> what, what, why do you think they thought you would be good? It was the moment at Food Network, I'm sure you remember this, where – all the chefs with big toques were making like six different kinds of yeah. mousse layered on top of each other. <laughs> and there's one woman at Food Network, Eileen Opetut, along with Bob Tishman, who's still there, um, decided that what they wanted to do is have home cooks. Yeah. And so they went out and found Rachel Ray, Paula Dean, um, Jada De Laurentiis, and me, and decided to sh- shift gears in the station. But I just didn't imagine that I could do this. Yeah. And so I just, for uh, several years, I actually said no. And finally, um, uh, someone saw a show in Australia and said, um, you should watch this show because if you wanted to do a TV show, it would, it would look like this. 
and I asked them to get uh, Food Network to get me a copy of the show. It was Nigella's show. Oh wow, Nigella and Lawson. Nigella Lawson from London, and um, I, I looked at it. I thought, well, that's a gorgeous show. It's a very lifestyle. It's very beautiful. Food is interesting, and um, but I mean, I'm not Nigella, so yeah. I couldn't imagine <laughs> doing it. And uh, so I said no. And then I said, thank you very much, but I still don't want to do it. They went to London, found the producer, hired them, called wow. me on the phone, and said they're coming to your house in two weeks. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I said I wouldn't do it. They said, just do 13 shows. And I thought, okay, I'll do 13 shows, and then they'll never call me again. You need, <laughs> and you, happily, that was 13 yeah. years ago. I think, I think you need to write a self-help book called The Power of No. It's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> it's a, it they is actually amazing. Coming. It's amazing. Do you remember when you started recording, at what point did you say to yourself, I can do this? Like, what point did it click? Like, oh, wait a minute, you're I, assuming, this is good. Uh, you're assuming I've said that. <laughs> you said that. Come on. You must be all that way. I, I really don't get it. I mean, I honestly, it's not, it's not um, modesty. I just don't get it. Um, yeah. It's, I just do what I do and it just seems to work and I'm not quite sure why, mm -hmm. but um, in the beginning when I, we, the first show we did, I, I always remember this and I thought, oh my God, this is just so awful. And then when I saw it edited and put together and with beautifully lit and the food looked great, I thought, that's actually not as bad as I feared. Yeah, yeah. And I said to my director at the time that, you know, it's just like, if this is okay, it's going to just get better. And she said, not necessarily. <laughs> really? She said, wow. that nervous energy really works on TV yeah. and that you're, you know, you're there and you're up and you're en energized. And I don't think I've ever lost that nervous energy wow, that's because it's the, you know, the media, just talking to a camera is scary. Yeah. And I would say that in terms of Nigella's production team, it's just what I always love about the show when I watch it, like I'm watching you make chicken salad or something and you're, and you're mincing the, the celery and it's like, shink, shink, well, that's shink. A very important part of it is the sound. Oh my God. So and the good. sound guy's fantastic. But the, my director is the guy who kind of invented that, what, what everybody now calls food porn. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who invented that where you hear the egg shell hitting the sink. Yeah. I feel like you when you're like, sound, when you're like yeah. frying chicken, I feel like I'm in, in the pan well, with that's the what, chicken. Well, one of the things that we did was we designed the show so that it felt like you were hanging out on the other side of the counter. Whose idea was it to sort of bring your actual real life friends into the show in terms of at the end, like, hey, my friend so-and-so is stopping by. That's the only reason why I'm doing it, because the producers really got that. You can't make this stuff up. It has to be real. And it's why it's in my actual house. It's why they're my actual friends. Um, it's why we actually have a party. When we have a party at the end, I always say to the director, please just let us have a party. Film it. If you need some details later, we'll go back. Yeah. But you can't fake it. It's also interesting in that the friends punctuate the point that Cooking is, you cook for people. That's the only way, that's why I do it. I don't cook for myself. Yeah. I cook because when you cook, everybody shows up. And to me, that's the best part of it. <laughs> now, how often, that this, is it tough for you socially that you have friends like, oh my God, Ina hasn't, she's never asked me on the show. I don't know, did I do something wrong? Like, oh, I don't know now. How I'm competitive look at that. do your friends get? They must get competitive. <laughs> well, I always feel like I'm imposing on them. <laughs> and, I'm, and certainly in the beginning, I was really shy about saying, would you mind? Would it be okay if yeah. you didn't? And then I realized they were like, I haven't been on the show in a while. Is there a problem? Exactly, I'm like, yeah. no, you can do it. <laughs> so I think um, I've come around to that people actually want to. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you realize like what a broad appeal you have in the sense that um, I was just talking to my assistant, Emma, who you met just yeah. now. Emma's 22, and she's like, oh, my God, I love Ina. She has a special place in my heart. She's oh. the reason I got into cooking. Isn't that one? That's to I'm me 40, the best. Yeah, I'm 45. I watch you all the time. My mom's 80. She watches you. I mean, that's kind Isn't of incredible. That you go. I mean, I it's literally know hip kids on my staff from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, 
who love Ina. My se- you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you have that appeal. Can you, have you sort of, sort of thought about that? I, I have thought about it because I think it's amazing. And it's also broad economically. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I remember walking up Madison Avenue and there was a woman in a big fur coat. And she goes, oh, darling, love your cookbooks. And I was like, thank you. And about a block later, a guy with a jackhammer working on the street. No way, really? <laughs> goes, hey, babe, love your show. <laughs> and I thought, this is what it, what food is about. Yeah, what brings and people together? It, what, well, but everybody's interested in food. And I love, I absolutely adore the young people. I think a lot because of Food Network. They grew up watching Food mm, Network. Interesting. And boys. Yeah. I just love that boys watch. Bobby Flay and... Um, and Michael Simon and yeah. all those guys and Mario Batali really got boys into cooking. It was all of a sudden cool to do. And so I love, I absolutely love that the new generation is uh, cooking. They're entertaining. They're at home. They have kids. They're, you know, they're into um, farm grown all that good stuff, yeah. All the good stuff. They're really focused on that. And it's, I think it's a real regeneration of, um, of food, yeah, which is great. and I think it's interesting, just in terms of generationally, but also gender-wise. Um, I think your food yep. is not—it's—I don't—it's not pretentious no. or whatever. It's yeah. like, hey, it's mac and cheese and it's fried chicken. I, by the way, I use your mac and cheese recipe oh, religiously <laughs> for the last ten years. You know, it, I think it's interesting that yeah, just how it sort of touches all those sort of those well, notes. I'm always looking for remembered flavors, things that you remember, you know, chicken stew or mm-hmm. chicken pot pie, but that there's a tweak in it. There's something that really turns up the volume and the flavor. So it's better than you remember, but it's the same thing. Well, yeah, I was just thinking about that, looking at your your new book, Make It Ahead, in terms of I think that's something that we always preach or try to preach in the magazine. And, and entertaining is stressful enough, and the last thing you want to do is have that last minute food disaster. And the irony of my professional careers. I mean, I had especially food stores, so I've certainly cooked more than most people, but I'm not a professional chef. And so it's, um, I understand how hard it is yeah. because it's hard for me. And if it's stressful for me, I can imagine somebody who, who's, you know, got a regular job and comes home and tries to make dinner for their family or wants to make a dinner party on Saturday night. I really understand. So I try and make it as simple as I can with still having like the really good flavor. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's the question when you're, when you're Developing recipes and are there guidelines that you follow? Like, oh, this is an Ina recipe. This isn't because so. You know what I mean? Like, what, what qualifies? What doesn't qualify? Well, the first thing to look for is it some is it a subject? Something I want to eat? Mm-hmm. Is it chicken or is it like octopus eyeballs? Yeah. You know, <laughs> There's, you'll never find anything. I mean, even something like liver is a very particular flavor. Yeah. So you'll never find that in my books. Um, maybe like um, a, you know, chicken liver mousse or something, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is actually in this. It has to be familiar in some way. So you're going to turn the page, look at the photograph and go, that looks delicious, and I want to eat it. Um, so that's the first thing. And then is the recipe simple enough to do that I don't, you know, I don't get bored with the recipe while I'm making it? Yeah. Um, and then I test it over and over and over and over, and I take somebody to the grocery store and watch them shop for the recipe. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. So I see, you know, how hard is it? To, so first, I gave somebody a recipe for pesto who wanted to learn how to cook, and the first ingredient was basil. And he had no idea whether it was fresh basil or dry basil. Oh, so you and really got to say fresh I always write fresh basil. That's fascinating. So, and olive oil, you know, he picked out eight ounces of olive oil and he needed two cups. I knew he was in trouble when he got home. Yeah. So I try and get rid of all those sort of kinks that people don't know. So um, if you already know eight ounces, you know what it is, you're just going to read over it. But if you need the information, it's right there. I think that's always challenging with here at the magazine you want something that's familiar but you want it to be a little new and different yeah. and yeah. It's, but but if it's too new and too different then exactly it, nobody's it becomes, gonna want to make it exactly yeah. yeah so you do entertain obviously when was the last time you had a kitchen disaster 
When did something when did something not go right? <laughs> well, usually when I'm entertaining, I've made something over and over and over again. And to me, not going right is probably different from what to you not going uh-huh. right. Because so I've served things and I'm like. Oh. The scallops didn't. It was New Year's Eve actually in Paris, and I made um, scallops provencal, and it was the wrong size pan, and uh, the scallops were different, and it didn't have enough sauce, and I was despondent. <laughs> of course, no one even noticed. Probably, <laughs> Jeremy was like, "That was the best scallops I've ever had." Were you crazy? So, so but, you was so, pan seared scallops, and then pan, well, first I saute shallots mm-hmm. and herbs and mm-hmm. things like garlic and shallots, and then I put the scallops in and sear the scallops, and then put the, the mixture in. So it happens really fast. Yeah, yeah. But I just didn't put enough wine in, so. And it evaporated too quickly. Oh. So, but that's cooking. I mean, that's that what happens. Cooking. But it's interesting you, you brought up the point about the size of a pan. A, a ten-inch pan is going to affect a, a recipe differently than an eight-inch pan in terms of when the liquid evaporates or how much heat it, uh, you know, attracts and that sort of stuff. It, it's hard to explain that in a recipe. And at some point, you just need to trust your instinct. Right? I was actually making it for my friends. I, I, you may know them, George uh, German and, and Joanne Colleen mm-hmm. from Al Forno sure. Restaurant. And George was standing in the kitchen watching me sear these scallops and didn't say a word. And they just just wasn't happening. And I said, George, what am I doing wrong? And he said, they're too close together. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just a great lesson for me because I was making a double recipe. And what I should have done is make two pans. Two pans, yeah. Because so, if you want them to caramel, otherwise they're steaming as opposed to caramelizing. Exactly, exactly. But that's also interesting. That's something, that was a great lesson yeah, for me. As you point out, that that's something that a professional chef knows almost intuitively. The home Absolutely. cook, though, that is not something they, they, they necessarily know. Exactly. And they have to sort of be told. And I never forgot it. <laughs> do you, how often do you actually, do you follow recipes or do you kind of just? To the letter. To the letter. I absolutely, exactly. Salt, pepper, everything. Wow. I measure everything. So I, I'm, I try I'm, to, I'm I, really a scientist about it. All right. So when you're hosting, what should a guest bring? What's a good gift for oh, a guest gift. to bring? What do you like? Um, when I'm going to somebody's house, actually, I try not to bring something that they feel that they have to serve. Yeah, that drives me nuts. Because, you know, I've got a dessert, they've got a dessert. Which one do I serve? Maybe it's not that great. You yeah. know, it doesn't go with a meal. Who knows what yeah. it is? What I try and do is bring something that they can have the next day, like something oh, for breakfast. That's cool. You know, some great coffee or yeah. homemade granola. Yeah. Or, I mean, you can always bring chocolates because, you know, everybody needs chocolates they're, after just they're dinner. They're going to get eaten. <laughs> but um, it's, it's never something that's in the meal. Yeah. So the hostess doesn't go, oh. Doesn't feel pressure. And even like wine. Um, if you bring wine, the hostess always wants to know, or the host, should I serve it? Should I not serve it? So if I'm bringing wine, maybe I'll bring white wine that's not chilled so they know, they know. it's not for dinner. As a host, what's a, what's a good go-to sort of last-minute hors d'oeuvre? Hors d'oeuvres are something that I think everyone thinks about the main course and dessert, but then they're like, oh, I need something to serve during, during cocktails. I actually almost never make something for hors d'oeuvres. What I do is I pull together things that are already prepared, um, salted marcona almonds, you know, things that are just good as is, maybe some, you know, in the summer melon with a little prosciutto yeah. wrapped around it. Um, just really simple cherry tomatoes from the farm stand, just really simple things that you can eat. So you can spend as much time making orders as you do oh dinner, yeah. and uh, nobody really appreciates it. So yeah. um, it's like crazy. But it's also, I think it's a good message that not everything needs to be homemade and labored over, uh, you know, when you I, come over. My, my mantra is, are your friends going to have more fun if you've served this? And the yeah. truth is, it doesn't matter. And the the most important thing for a good party is is the hostess is like sweating and crying and like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and go, oh my god, the chicken's never re- going to be ready and the wine's never going to be cool. Nobody's going to have a good time. Yeah, I want to get back to the power of no. And you're talking about uh, <laughs> saying no to the TV show. I don't and understand whatnot. it, so I don't know how, how much I can talk about. You've it. also over the years, you know, you you have not done a a product line on yeah. HSN or JCPenney or somewhere. Um, you know, you, you've not launched your own magazine like Rachel Ray or Martha. Like, 
I'm sure you've been offered. Why, why, I've had why not? so many opportunities to do yeah. stuff. Um, I love my life. Mm-hmm. I love doing what I'm doing. Um, and I like doing it really well. And I like very hands-on. And I think if I did too much, it, I would lose that control mm-hmm. of it. And so I just think, why? In terms of social media, that's something you've gotten into. Yeah. And do you, do you enjoy Twitter and Instagram? Or? No, I was, the, I was the last one to, <laughs> to all of it. And uh, I have to credit my publisher. They just uh-huh. said, you really have to do it. And I'm like, I, I don't have time for this. It is so interesting. I just, I have this philosophy that you can't talk about the pond until you're in it and wet. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kept saying, oh, social media, it's not who I am. I'm not doing it. But I, then finally I said, okay, I have to, I have to jump in the pond. I'm going to do it for a year. If it's not interesting, I'll just get out. It is so interesting. The feedback that I get from people is so informs what I do. Yeah. And I actually, uh, about a year later, hired someone just to do social media who we adore. And she, she said to me, when she got there, you really need to do Instagram. I'm like, I already have enough to do. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, again, I said, okay, let's just try. She said, I'm just going to show you a week of Instagram. And then, um, you know, we'll go from there. And I just, I love it. I just, like, the first thing I look at every morning when I wake up. It's like you get addicted. I just love Instagram. I love doing it. Like, next week I'm going to France, and I'm just, every day I'll do a little Instagram story about where I am and what I'm doing. And it really makes me look at things. Mm -hmm. Because it not only has to be interesting, but it has to be a great photograph. Yeah. And so, and I love that visual part of it. So, I, I mean, I'm just, I love Instagram. So, yes, it's been incredible for me, but it's also great for my business it's because business. it connects with young people. Uh, I think uh, that has a lot to do with absolutely. the success think, of this book. I think they're, and they feel that there's a genuine access into your life and not necessarily yeah. a produced sort and of it's way. True. Do you realize, all right, final question in terms before we get to our lightning round, there's going to be a lightning Uh-oh. round. Oh. Um, <laughs> you realize there's like a whole cult of Jeffrey, right? That people oh, are obsessed with isn't Jeffrey. That just <laughs> great? He's like and, the mystery man. <laughs> and he's the real deal. I mean, on the show, I just think he's amazing. He's such a good sport yeah. because he always plays this really funny role, but you know, he's really smart. Why well, I mean, don't he? Was and, and he's at Yale of Commerce and, yeah. and he was the head of the, he was the dean of the business school at Yale. And he's, I mean, he's the best business advisor I've, anybody could well, ever dream of. That's a good, yeah, good. But he's Good job just a doll. <laughs> so, you, I mean, obviously, you must get, as you mentioned before, get recognized everywhere you go. And does does Jeffrey get recognized a lot? Do people like, wait a oh. minute, you're Jeffrey? <laughs> <laughs> All the time. And I mean, going through the airport in London, and the guy checking your luggage uh-huh. goes, "You're Jeffrey. You've gotten me in trouble." <laughs> and I'm like, "Why?" Well, <laughs> I remember this guy said, "He said because my wife always says to me, why don't you like what I make the way Jeffrey likes what oh Ina makes?'" Oh my god, that is that <laughs> is like a, too funny. Too yeah, funny. he does. He does get recognized a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to hit you with some some lightning round questions. Yeah, okay. There's no wrong answer, uh, okay. but you do have to answer. Okay. okay. All right, so we're going to hit you with some quick ones. Um, and it's we're getting on summer, so some of these are kind of summer themed. This is like um, inside the actor studio. Exactly. What's your favorite, favorite swear word? <laughs> exactly. Um, gas or charcoal? Oh, charcoal. Without question. Easy. Margarita or mimosa? Uh, margarita. Do you, I assume, I like I assume you make them yourself. Oh, totally make them myself because um, very few places, and, and I like the places that do use fresh lime mm-hmm. juice. All right, this is a tough one. Uh, food TV, Jacques or Julia? Oh, that's really yeah, tough. You got to pick that's, one. You got to pick one. Well, Julia taught me how to cook, so I have to pick Julia. But I adore Jacques. <laughs> he is like the most charming guy ever. <laughs> charming, and just he, and he, his food. See, here's a guy who had the most famous restaurant in New York, and his food is very at home. Yeah, you know, it's the food you'd want to make. And, so and yeah, and I really admire him. Um, entertaining, 
deviled eggs or pigs in a blanket? Oh, that's a really tough one. <laughs> uh, deviled eggs. I have to say pigs in blankets. The first time I served them at a party, maybe about three or four years ago, I served them. Jeffrey took me aside and he goes, you're not. <laughs> I said, yeah. And he goes, you're not serving pigs in blankets at a party. It's the only time in 46 years he's ever said that to me. I said, watch, it's going to yeah. be the first thing gone. Everything that was, was that gone, right? gone. You cannot <laughs> serve enough of them. I also love how good the house smells when you have pigs I in know. the blanket in the oven. Everyone's <laughs> like, really wait, wait, are you making pigs in blankets? And, uh, they just descend on them. Uh, okay. It's summer in the Hamptons. Peonies or sunflowers? I love peonies. My favorite flower. I think it's everybody's favorite flower. Right. So definitely peonies. <laughs> Cast iron or stainless? Uh, <laughs> I can't answer both, right? No. <laughs> you get one. You get one, <laughs> one pad. Well, most of most of what I do is in all clad. Okay. All um, right. But I do like a nice cast iron pot. <laughs> uh, I like, I, yeah, I, I'm going to take both because um, I don't have to answer. Um, cocktail sauce or mignonette? <laughs> cocktail sauce, so but a good, good right? one. A good one, a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of horseradish. Yeah. Um, Sunday supper or Sunday brunch? Um, I don't love the word brunch. I have no idea why. <laughs> I, what I like is Sunday lunch. Ooh, I think I it's like, the yeah, best time to entertain. Nice? So what time, if, you, if you're having Sunday lunch, what time do you ask your guests to arrive? 12.30 or 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something in between. I like to make a frittata and get mm-hmm. a smoked salmon platter and mm-hmm. big fresh fruit platter and maybe some coffee cake. It's really easy to put together. Everybody shows up at 12.30 or 1. We have a great time. And they've maybe already had the breakfast and stuff. They've had breakfast. They've done everything on Saturday they had to do. And then, you know, people go antiquing or just something yeah. in the afternoon. So it's a really great, like, two hours and everybody's off on their way. So that, you don't feel like it's like, oh, my God, it's 11 o'clock. I really want to go to bed. Yeah. And, <laughs> or the funny thing it's about, rude to or, leave too early. Or like Sunday brunch. If, you have, if you're having brunch at 11, then it's always the question of like, well, do I eat, eat before, before I go? Because yeah. if, if I have to wait till 11, <laughs> I'm going to be passing out by the time I get to the door. Exactly. I've been up since 7 with my kid or whatever. So, yeah, Sunday lunch is actually my all-time favorite. You've got one vacation, France or Italy. Yeah, well, that's easy. Really? France. Last question, olive oil or butter? You can only choose one for the rest of your life. What's it going to (laughs) be? It's got to be butter. (laughs) It's got to be. Ina Garten, thank you so much for joining us on the Bon Appetit Foodcast. It's so much fun to talk to you. Thanks, Adam. This podcast has been brought to you by Bell Cushing and Carrie Polis, with editing by Mitra Kaboli and additional help from Christina Che and Lily Sherman. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us anything about this or any episode, please email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. My name is Daisy May, you should know. That I sing